Wow, do we have an incredible episode for you today. Jam-packed with honesty, vulnerability, and we are dropping some truth bombs for an incredible, badass, real-ass mujer and our amiga, Stephanie Castellanos. Stephanie is an organizer, national recruiter, community builder, and an equity and inclusion strategist. Her commitment to racial equity stems from her experience navigating higher ed and professional spaces as the first in her family to graduate from high school and college. Shout out to the Bruins at UCLA. As a daughter of Mexican immigrants and as a product of Inglewood, California. Whether she's leading one of her workshop trainings to students and families of color, mobilizing to increase the representation of Latinas in office, or recruiting and selecting top talent to transform the children welfare system, Stephanie's life work continues to be centered in creating room, access and opportunities for historically exploited people, one table at a time. You'll hear her in this episode say, sacrificing what you are for what you can be. Girl, this episode is probably going to be one of my favorites. So grab a drink, get comfortable, because you are going to learn today, girl. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Bestie Bestie Bone Bone podcast. We are so excited to have you tune in. We have a very special guest, a super chingona, badass mujer that I honestly feel so privileged that I had an opportunity to meet by sliding into her DMs. Yep, I was creepy enough to do that, and I'm not embarrassed. (laughs) When you know that you need to be friends with somebody, shout out to my prima Nelly for hooking us up. You need to meet somebody, and this is an incredible woman who literally does the most and never the least and (laughs) 10 different side hustles and is all about empowering the Latinx community. There would be nobody better to bring on than somebody like this, especially during this time to help us level up, especially professionally. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you so much. And big shout out to your cousin, too. I love when mujeres are, are connecting each other. And you're just like, I love this girl's energy and you need to meet her. I love when that organically happens. So thanks for sliding in. Yeah. And <laughs> shout out to she's from Inglewood. So she lives in the same city as our host, Elvia. Right, girl? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, all We're right. up to a lot of good. Inglewood. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. We know we have lots of listeners from Inglewood because literally all of our friends live there. <laughs> um, so let's jump right in, girl. Tell us about your background and what you currently do and what really led you to it. Yeah, I mean, so you, you talked a little bit about my community, Inglewood. So I always rep, I put on for my city. Um, my name is Stephanie, as you mentioned earlier. I've been living in Inglewood my entire life and I think that I always kick off of who I am with really grounding myself in the community because I do do a lot of community work and I think that's where I really got a lot of my inspiration from. Um, See what else? I uh, went to UCLA as the first person in my family to graduate um, from high school and go to college. Um, So for me it has really been Uh, really interesting to come from a community like Inglewood who is resilient and has so much grit and um, and just a lot of opportunity to really learn in a community where 
we have been through so much historically. And I think going to UCLA and being in the space that UCLA is, I learned so many things along the way and failed so many times. Um, and that's really led me to what I do now. I mean, I think I graduated a decade ago. I mean, yeah, yeah, 10 years ago. It's crazy to think. Snaps, both Elvie and I. Yeah. You, you don't look yeah. it. You don't look it. Because I graduated 10 years ago and I think, you know, when I graduated, I knew that I wanted to do something that was community oriented. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher, but I knew I wanted to work with youth. And I really struggled in the beginning because I I didn't just want to take a job. I really wanted to take a step in, in the direction of what I felt really made me happy and what I really love to do. And I think for me, that really started off at working at an after school program. And I got this opportunity from my femtor, which I always talk about, you know, and sometimes in your career, especially for Latinas or first to go to college, um, you always have that one like other Latina or other woman who like sees your potential, sees your your hunger and, and gives you that opportunity. And I think for me, that was who is now currently my mentor, um, Liz Garcia. She was a badass, like young 20 something year old managing like 100 plus school sites for LAUSD. And she hired me at like 23 to manage six elementary school program, six elementary schools in their programs. And that really just kind of sparked something in me that I love to develop other people. I started to hire other people, um, really develop the program and make sure that it was being intentional for youth. And that's kind of just led me to where I'm at today. You know, I've worked in like health education, peer health education, training college students, um, helping them, um, uh, become teachers and teach health education in schools that didn't have health education. And, and then it led me to be a teacher recruiter for about six years. I worked uh, traveling the country and finding young people of color who wanted to teach or maybe thought they wanted to teach, but were pushed in a different direction. And we'll talk a little bit about all the directions that people are pushed in um, and why, but that really my journey, I think then was, realizing that there was a gap that while I was recruiting people that there was something missing that all of the candidates were applying to this top program for teaching with Johns Hopkins um, it's a teacher residency program all of the first-gen kids all of the students of color initially were just not really talking about all the dope stuff they did when I would talk to them I was like why isn't this on your resume why isn't this in your cover letter and a lot of the times they would say oh I didn't realize that that this was actually something I could put in my resume or put in my cover letter. And that really led me to start doing these workshop trainings, which um, I'll talk a little bit about, but that's, that's essentially what I had yesterday, that resume workshop. It led me to create these workshop trainings, which are really our spaces for students of color, first-gen students, undocumented students, students who are, you know, historically exploited in historically exploited communities. And so I started to really work and really hone in on providing the tools and resources, but from a first gen perspective, right? Like, what does it look like to do your resume um, and talk about your experiences that you learned and what you bring to the table that not necessarily a degree, that's not necessarily a title I've had. And so that's, that's really the work that I do is really helping and empowering young people of color, first gen kids, first to go to college, to really find what they what they love to do their purpose and try to find a career that aligns with it. 
And then, um, you know, you talked a little bit about my, I don't have 10 side hustles, girl. Like that's an exaggeration, but <laughs> I do have, I have four side hustles and the workshop is one side hustle. Resume review coaching is another, but what I do my nine to five, I say nine to five around codes. Cause you know, girl, this, you know, it ain't no nine to five, but <laughs> what I do is I recruit people all over the country who have seven plus years of experience, mid-career, kind of like us, right? Like mid-career senior professionals who have been like you in marketing, who have been in the corporate world, who have gotten MBAs, are engineers, human-centered designers, UX product developers. And these are people who normally would never be doing work within foster care agencies. And so what I do is I recruit them for an 18-month fellowship with this nonprofit organization. We're all over the country in Puerto Rico. And we place them, these people who normally would not have these, you know, would not be in this space to work on a project to really tackle some of the most challenging things that are happening with foster care systems all over the country. So I'm just recruiting, like I'm the first person hired uh, in that position uh, so we're a small startup, uh, but we have, you know, it's it's a, it's a small team, but really big. Um, we, we're all over, we're in all over the country and in Puerto Rico. Um, and uh, as the founder of that role, I think the other thing that I like, you know, I think I'd love to to share later down when we start talking about some tips to give, but, you know, I'm creating the interview processes. I'm designing what we're looking for. I'm you know, making sure that that I'm creating processes that are inclusive, equitable, anti-racist, that so that people of color, like I learned five, six years ago when I was recruiting teachers, so that people of color who apply are, are you know, we remove those biases so that we can create a more equitable space to hire them. So uh, that's pretty much, I know that was like a spiel, but that's pretty much what led me to do this work. And I feel like I've always you know, either when I was 10 years old, helping my mom apply to jobs, because, you know, girl, you know, I feel like I've been that person in my family where like, I, I got you, you need to find a job, like, let me help you do your resume. And so I've always kind of had that in me. And that's what I think I do for a living. I help people understand, like, you've always already had that in you. You just haven't really gotten the tools to like uncover, unravel and unlearn who you really are and what you want to do and how to apply that. Girl, Elvia, I'm sure you probably like <laughs> I'm like, can I send what? you my resume? Hey, girl. <laughs> well, first of all, there is so many amazing and beautiful synergies. And I know, girl, Elvia, you're feeling the same way. Mm -hmm. Like, I created this exact platform, this space, this idea on the same exact foundations. And so I just praise you. It's amazing what you're doing. And I know, like, Elvia, too, like, girl, you... I feel like your synergies are so similar too because you, you know, started a nonprofit when you first left college and then like sort of maneuvered your way to where you're at now. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Oh, what the, you started a nonprofit too. I'm sorry? You started a nonprofit too. Oh, no, I didn't start a nonprofit, but I worked in nonprofits. Yeah, oh, you worked in the nonprofit. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I worked so in you the know the, the coming in and doing the direct service work, I think for me was important to just kind of get... Yes you know the day-to-day -day of what's happening in communities you know I think that's a sometimes I feel like I'm a little removed from it now mm -hmm. you know um so I think that's uh, the other part of it is like your nine to five doesn't have to be also like your purpose your life work what I love to do right mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people get stuck up in sometimes into that like fantasy that that illusion that every you know your job is going to be everything for you and you you know that that is honestly I feel in very many ways like 
very privileged to be, you know, my mom told me, and this is like some piece of advice my mom gave me that I feel like, you know, my mom's a bus driver. She's a school bus driver. I grew up with a single mom. Shout out to all the kids that grew up with single mamas and the single mamas out there. But Whoa, I grew up with a shout single mom. Out. That's a good shout out. Y'all yeah. are the real superheroes. Right? Mm-hmm. But like, it really was like my mom, you know, she was the epitome of a hustler, right? Like I have that workshop series. It's called The Art of Hustling. And it's really rooted in our community and what I've seen, whether it's like my abuelito, by the way, my, my grandpa who sells chorizo here in Inglewood, he's learned, you know, for three, he's a third generation choricero. Girl, you know, I'll I, even find his name. Yeah, wait, girl, wait. it's so bomb. He he's famous that? in Inglewood. He's famous. Don Chewy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hook you up with some chorizo. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> girl, hook me up with some chorizo. Uh, you know? I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, but my grandpa or my mom who was, you know, bus driver and on the side on the weekend, she would clean houses sometimes on the side. She was making floral arrangements and selling that went to, you know, floral arrangement school. But like, it's really like waking up and seeing her like she was always grinding. And so for me, it's always been like, you know, I we all three of us know stuff that you can't be taught in a book. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can't you can't read how you can't read. What I've, how I've grown up and seen around my family, the ways that they're resilient and go through and heal through trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't learn that. And I feel like we forget that. And when, we, when I graduated, I didn't realize that, right? Like, I didn't realize how much power there is in my story. And I was scared to share it. Mm-hmm. Like, even now, you know, like, I'm, even now I share it sometimes. And, like, my mom would be like, why? Why did you say that to everybody? I don't want people to know that about my family, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, I feel her, you know, but also at the same time, it's like, we got to take ownership of our stories. And when we share it, like having this podcast, right? Like sharing these stories is how we're able to say like, oh, she did it. Mm-hmm. Or there's other people who do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can do it too. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot of power in sharing stories. And I really appreciate these kind of spaces because that's exactly what it is. It's like, be it, it your 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 storytellers of our community and i think that that's really important to do too girl i know so- <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like wow um i just i just so many things like i don't even know where to start but i really like the part where you're talking about how you know your family has even really been an influence to you um, in terms of, you know, like your story and like how you present yourself out in the real world, out in the professional world. Um, and I think that's really important. And um, I was actually going to ask you, like, how, what was your experience like growing up? And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> did, did anything, well, you've kind of alluded to this as well, but like, what about what parts about growing up influence your career today and mm-hmm. how do you carry that as your like mission and passion um throughout your yeah. work yeah I mean you know I grew up like I mentioned to you here in Inglewood and I think part of what's beautiful about our community here is you know in the morning you can hear the gardeners trucks you know all waking up super early going outside and you can, you know, see your abuelita walking her grandkids in the morning to school and you can see the mercado. And then you also have this, you know, 
integration of like black culture which is really the root and the foundation it was so important like it was it was like you know and I came I left to Oakland I lived in Oakland for a couple of years I like really wanted to get out for a little bit but I was this whole stadium was getting bought off all this Clippers stuff was happening a few years ago and I was like I gotta get back home like I gotta organize like there's work to do you know like this is this is where I need to be Mm -hmm. and so I came back and you know I moved back at my mom's house so being 30 moving back home we can talk about that could be a whole girl I'm (laughs) moving back home too so Elvis, I feel you. She just moved yeah. back home too. <laughs> I'm about to move back home too because y'all girl didn't get just got laid off. About to move back yeah. home. <laughs> we can make yeah. a podcast episode on that. That's a home. Living home in your thirties. <laughs> like going back home and then being like a kid of an immigrant, right? Yeah. It's like it's a whole other girl, thing. especially right now yeah. with all the things happening and like yep. how many resources your own parents need and how you need to yeah. help them navigate all those things. Yeah, it's yep. a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I can't do it. I'm I mean, I, I have a one bedroom apartment apartment. I live with my partner here in Inglewood. Um, and we're already kind of like, man, we need to will I ever be able to afford to buy a home in my own community? I feel like I want to buy a house. But like, is that is that even possible? You know, mm-hmm. so are all Latina having to like speak up when you are oh, in no. situations, mm-hmm. even in your being in higher ed, like having mm-hmm. to stand up for yourself as a Latina and you're like, hello, that shit is rude. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Like working in higher ed at uh, when I was working, getting my master's in Boston and doing my internships at BU and, um, you know, uh, what's what's that? Uh, Babson College, like that I was the person of color. <laughs> I was wow. the only one in an office. It was the Issa Rae at that nonprofit, like insecure. Oh, uh, you were at We Got Y'all? Yes, got I was at We Got Y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let me tell you, they didn't got them. Okay, no, it was didn't. real. That's Issa real, did. huh? No, That's yeah. So and real. it just, it, it, it's hard. And I think even, even, I even experienced that some of this um, here because I'm not Mexican. So I feel mm. like even when people, it's like same, same, but different. Like they're like, but if you're not Mexican, then what are you? And I'm just Especially like, in LA. Yeah. People are always assume you're Mexican. It's so rude. And I'm always like, um, there is like a bajillion yeah. countries other than yeah, Mexico. Yeah, where are you from? Where are you? Yeah. I'm like, hey, where are you from? <laughs> exactly. So. No, but really though, where are you from? Oh, you're asking me. Oh, my, my parents are from Ecuador. Oh yeah, yeah. That's awesome. You know, it's like especially in Southern California, navigating for me, it's it's been more that bicultural fight of like Mm -hmm. I am, I am, but it's also with coming being like a a Chicana, you know, for you guys. But for me, it's being Ecuadorian and you know also American. You know, like you're Mm -hmm. you don't fit in here. You don't fit in over there. Yeah. Like my family tells me, like, no, tu eres americana, and I'm like, um, I mean, but over there they don't like me either. <laughs> so it's like you just don't fit in either anywhere. And then yeah. people here don't like respect the fact that you're not Mexican, and it's like then it's like questioning you or like you're looked at as weird because they don't identify with the things 
that you're saying like no I don't eat tortillas I mean I do eat tortillas but I'm saying like <laughs> culturally we don't eat tortillas we eat platanos you know that that is like our tortilla we have that thinking about that now right like what are students when we're thinking about like what what's happening now when they're graduating you know yesterday we had the resume workshop and there was like 145 people on it and I'm thinking like these are 145, a lot of the 145 people like that are currently thinking about how am I going to find my next job? Like, what, what am I going to do when I graduate? How do I, you know, in the middle of uh, not only a, what Pandemic. we call it, a, yeah, like there's so, so much unemployment. There's like so many jobs that I know as a recruiter have been closed down as friends are like, oh yeah, we're no longer hiring. We're no longer hiring. How do we give that inspiration and how to, and kind of get people really going through a really tough time? And I feel like I'm having a hard time figuring out how to best support people through like what something that we've never experienced before, right? Like communities have never seen so much devastation in this way. All oh over girl, the world. that's mm-hmm. such a perfect segue. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about ways that um, we can provide resources. What tips would you give young Latinas who are about to graduate and are navigating this new job market? I want to caveat that off with, I am also, I who I'm not, I mean, I'm young, I guess. <laughs> I guess I'm a young Latina. You are young, I'm girl. Not You're young. young. You're but young. I was furloughed, and I know it's a different place to be in because I have much more robust experience. I'm very comfortable in this space. Clearly, we do these types of things, and we give off this advice. So when I was going through your resume workshop yesterday, I thought, oh, my God, um, Stephanie would be really proud <laughs> if she saw my resume. She'd be like, yes, girl, yes, girl, yes, girl, and yes, girl. Maybe without cl- yes, quantify with, girl, quantify. with the exception of cultural um, aspirations, or I think including culture as part of your um, like how you grew up. I, I really loved that. I didn't ever think about that. That's definitely something new for me. But talking uh-huh. to a lot of these grads, as I mentioned to you earlier, that that's most of the feedback that I get from Latinos, from Latino organizations, from people who are about to graduate, is that they're really scared. And LV and I have said this on other episodes that. Just like you just said, we graduated in a recession. I know it's not the same, but we felt no. a lot of the same emotions. We were stressed. We had a lot of anxiety. A lot of us did not mm-hmm. land any jobs. A lot of us had to move mm-hmm. back home after Four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. Girl, it was mm-hmm. hard. It was really yeah. hard for us. I left college and became a waitress because I couldn't find a job. And and I'm yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. I like looking back. I hustled my way through where I am now. And I had to do what I had to do, you know? So I ended up doing like a year of service because I I couldn't find a job. So like city year or AmeriCorps? Yeah, I did city year actually. Oh my god, I love city year so much. Yeah, girl, city year I love too. I told you guys you would love it. Where we needed to have this conversation long ago. Yeah, Uh, I did it. uh, So my school was Gompers. I was okay. Oh, you were here. Yeah. My first year and my second year, that's how I moved to Boston. I went to Boston oh. and I did it in, in uh, Roslindale. Yeah, I know Roslindale is. Yep, I did it there. Love it. Well, I love City Year. And, you know, that kind of, I mean, we're talking about quite a few different topics. One is like gap years, which is, I think, a, a, a good opportunity for folks at this time to think 100%. about. 100%. Yeah. Um, I, I preach that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like gap years. So when I was doing, so um, I found uh, five years, maybe like six years now, I founded this nonprofit called the Coalition for Diverse Educators. And we worked, like I mentioned to you, to get more teachers of color. And one of the things that I'll give in terms of tips 
that I've learned in, in being a teacher recruiter, but also hiring teachers uh, is most of the time when I was, when I was reviewing resumes, and again, I'm going to echo this over and over again, uh, volunteer experience is work experience, mm-hmm. right? And I think for a lot of recent graduates, you think, well, I don't have a lot of experience. Yeah, if you think that, that is exactly how you, what you're going to present in an interview. Right. And you're going to show that, right? Mm-hmm. But if you go in and you understand that your volunteer experience, that your community work, that, that you uh, being at the career center and doing support or doing peer mentoring on campus or being a secretary of the Latino Business Student Association or being in Latina sorority and being the director of recruitment for it, or, right, like these are things that traditionally we're told are not experiences that you would put on a resume but I challenge you to think about especially if you're recently graduating to think about what are the things that I've done since I've been here that I have developed an additional skill what was that skill right and like write that down one of the things that I do when I'm searching for jobs is I'll look at okay for example if I know I'm going to be a recruiter I'm going to be looking at recruiter jobs Um, I'm going to go look at my dream jobs. I'm going to be like, I would love to work at this company or I would love to work for this nonprofit. Let me go look at their job descriptions, right? Or what jobs they got open. If they have a job that they have open that maybe I aspire to that I don't have enough experience, I write down like after each bullet point, I'm always like, okay, this is, they're looking for an organizer skill, management, project management, detail oriented, right? And at the end of that job description at the very top, I always write the top two skills that they're looking for. The next thing you know, I'm like, I'm 10 job descriptions in that I've been looking at, thinking of applying to, and I noticed one thing in common, man, all of these jobs at the top of the skills where I'm looking at, they all require me to have some sort of project management and they all require me to do some sort of like experience doing like selecting talent. So, okay, on my resume, guess what? That is what you're going to see. My brand, when you read my resume, it's going to tell you that I am a recruiter that selects talent and it's going to tell you the other thing, right? So I think it's really important for us to have intention when we go out and search. I know that's hard, though, because when you don't have money and you ain't got, you know, you're just trying to get a job. Mm-hmm. What you said earlier, I think, is really powerful that you got to do what you got to do. Right. Yeah. Like there is no like I was never. Oh, I have a college degree. I'm too good to work. I worked at Starbucks. I worked at in and out for five years. I, you know, have worked in the fast food industry and learned so much from being at a fast food industry that that was like what I used in my interview, right? Like what I learned from there. And I didn't sell it as I was flipping burgers. No, I was at the top in and out in, I was at the one at LAX where number one in the company, I was flipping most burgers in the company. I was exchanging dollars about a quarter of a million dollars on a month of sales, right? Like I started to really reframe the way that I was talking about it. So my other mm-hmm. tip is, like, don't sell yourself short, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for you to brag. Like, don't humble yourself. You're a badass. Like, mm-hmm. say you're a badass, right? Like, this is this is a time where you need to put that sin- imposter syndrome that, oh, I, I don't have that experience. Or it says three years of experience. I don't have that much. Most people, when I put it on a job description, we need seven plus years of experience. I have interviewed people with five years. 
right? I've mm-hmm. interviewed people with four years. Like people weed themselves out of jobs because they don't meet all the check boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Or they don't check all the boxes. And right. women, women of color, Latinas who are paid, what, 54 cents to the dollar are the first ones to say, oh, I don't meet that qualification, right? I don't, I shouldn't apply because I'm not really qualified Girl, yet. I know I've so, done that for sure. I mean, I don't do it, did that anymore, but I've done that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We do that all the time. We self-select ourselves out of opportunities. And it's like, shoot your shot. That's my other tip. Shoot your shot, right? Like, shoot your shot and be intentional when you shoot your shot. You're not just shooting shots because you're going to get tired. Your arm's going to get tired. Your muscle's going to get tired. You can only shoot so many shots a day, right? So be intentional about the shots. I'm not saying shoot every shot. But what I'm saying is, like, when you see that you that is something that draws you, if you see a job, any job that I've had, I knew it was mine when I read that job description. I know that sounds crazy, but like I got this feeling of, oh my, so much joy to be like, I would love to do this. Like when I feel that, when I feel this energy of like, oh my God, I, I am, I would love this job. Like that is the type of feeling that's telling you that you are moving towards your purpose mm-hmm. when you feel that. When you feel that like energy about reading a job or working somewhere, it's telling you something. And I feel like especially Latinos or especially just young people of color, we don't trust our gut. We don't. Tr- um, so, I mean, those are a couple of tips that I think, if you know, I could also talk a little bit about resumes and interviews and how to prepare for that. But I think the job search journey itself is you have to be disciplined. And you probably know this too, Diana, right now, right? Like, how many hours a day are you setting aside to apply to jobs and do research and do your homework to look up who's going to interview you and do your homework about who's going to, whoever you're interviewing with, right? Girl, I'll be scrolling through LinkedIn more than I'll be scrolling through Instagram nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not liking those. Po- I'm not liking IG posts. I'm liking and resharing those LinkedIn posts. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to look yeah. nice. It is. Computer. It's about building your brand. <laughs> because it's about... Think about who's on LinkedIn. People who are on LinkedIn are the oh, decision yes. makers, right? Like, as a, okay, as a recruiter, I'm going to tell you exactly what I do. I'm recruiting people who have PhDs, MBAs from, like, top schools, right? And when I'm looking for them, right, and, and when I'm looking for these types of things, like, I'm looking for keywords. I'm looking for things, how I find you on LinkedIn, and you'd be surprised, like, you can maximize your visibility on LinkedIn by being intentional about the words in your field, right? If I'm going to be a recruiter, then I'm going to use the words that the keywords, buzzwords on my page all over the place, right? Because that pops up. And so it's just really about being like strategic about how you talk about yourself and how you want others to look at you when they come to oh, your page. Love all the things. Yes, 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 girl. And I think I learned, I don't know, Alvi, if you felt, but I learned all these things so much later. I wish I would have known yeah. much earlier on. I think I could have made better career decisions or I would have been able to have been in a different place in my career had I known, right, girl, always the had I known. Had I known, had I know. right. Yeah, I mean, that's true for everybody. But yeah. <laughs> we, know, we know now. We know now. And we are putting ourselves in a position where hopefully, you know, that the younger Latinos, Latinas are going to grasp this information, take it with them, and they're going to be making those big money moves and big moves like earlier 
in their careers than we were, or at yeah. least I was. Yeah, at least where I was too, man. Like that's because sure. I felt like I I literally just got into my career like not that long ago. Yeah, um, because yeah. it just has felt like such a long, 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 long journey. <laughs> yeah. And it is, right? It's like, my, mine wasn't like a linear, it sounds, I made it sound linear right now, but man, was there like twists and turns and sleeping on people's couches. My brother, man, like my brother, I have twin brothers and like one of them, like I crashed on his couch for almost a year right out of college because I didn't have a job. I didn't know what I was going to do, I, you know? So like mm-hmm. you, you have to do what you have to do. But at the end of the day, I think if you move with intention and and you're like being true to yourself and like really, really authentic about yourself. Cause I feel like, like a lot of the times I, when I went into college, I was on academic probation my first quarter at UCLA. I went from being a four point, whatever kid to like on academic probation. And it was really because I was set in my head that I wanted to be some sort of doctor, which is like, I'm far from that now, which is funny, mm-hmm. but like, I wanted to be this doctor, but I'm like, why, why is, why do I really want to be a doctor? Is this really what I want? Or is this what I've been, my mom's been saying, Dennis, right? Like you're going to be a doctor and me just kind of going along with it. So I feel like that's what a lot of first gen kids do is you feel like you need to pick a job that you need to be financially stable for your family for, and and while that's important, yes, how do we make money but also live in our purpose? That's like a privilege. That's like yeah. such a hard thing to do. And it really is a privilege. And I feel like the privilege that I like re- that I understood by making those intentional choices right out of college, like being very intentional. And I feel like that's how I was able to really now you know, I'm 33 to be able to like love what I do, you know, and get paid and girl get paid for it, which is important. Yeah. And I think that's so important because I mean, I think about my own personal experience, like when I graduated and when I told my dad, like I wasn't getting any jobs, you know, applied to things for a year. And then I was like, screw it. I'm going to do city here. I had friends that were doing it. They were really excited. I was like, why not? You know? And, mm-hmm. and my dad was like, why are you going to do this? You know, estás trabajando por gratis. You know, mm-hmm. they're not even paying you anything and blah, 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 and this and mm-hmm. that. And, like, he was, like, literally was so upset with me because I was doing this vol- volunteer program instead of, like, wow. getting a job. And then he was upset with me because I wasn't. Uh, my dad is one of those people that always tries to connect you to somebody that he knows mm-hmm. that may get you into a job or something. But like, I knew, I knew, like, I was happy with Sidier. I was like, I really liked, I loved my experience. I'm like a big Sidier fucking Yeah. Sidier. And, I love it. I love it. And I was like, no, dad, like, this is important. This is what I'm going to do. And like, mm-hmm. stop talking to me about it. <laughs> and, and, now I see how City Year helped me shape so much of my career trajectory, wow. helped me develop so many skills, like right. my le- my leadership skills. Like I used to be the person that never was going to volunteer to like do something because I was scared to have all that responsibility. And I was like, the- I remember uh, my manager at the time talked about like putting yourself in the in your challenge zone, like putting yourself in your challenge zone and it was like very hard for me to do that but like throughout my city year experience I did that so many times and I Mm. grew so much in a year like 
it was amazing yeah and I credit so much of that experience to like my professional life and how I carry myself now even and even and sometimes I throw it in my dad's face I'm like see dad it, when I went to that job interview, all they wanted to talk about was the city <laughs> year experience. <laughs> and right. if I wouldn't have Clapping done that, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have gotten that job. So, okay, Boom. thank you. <laughs> Boom. And I think what you're talking about is really this idea around, you know, like sacrificing what you are for what you can be, right? Like, like understanding that you might not be building that financial wealth yet. But that you're really building those stepping stones to get you there, right? Like you had a vision, right? You had a vision that you wanted to to make a difference, that you wanted to do community work. And this was one of the, the a vehicle to get there, right? You're going to get right. into another vehicle eventually, but it was part of that journey in that vehicle. And I feel like for me, it's like, it's uh, when you just graduate, I think there's a lot of fear in in especially as a kid that you're if you're the first person to go to college there's a lot of fear around you know making other people proud right like not making people proud right exactly and you you just want to make everyone happy and like you want to be the person that you know did everything perfectly especially when you're a first gen you know like what your parents are feeding you is like so crucial and important and a lot of the time you have this fear of like stepping away from that like and being in your own voice and just like like what you were saying earlier just really listening to yourself like no this is important to me I know that you perceive it in this way but like I I know you don't understand me now, but later you will understand why I'm doing this. Girl, I love that. I think that students, especially graduating, need to hear this. Both of you, Stephanie and and Elvie, you guys are both first gen to, like, graduate, um, which I fucking just love. I'm not uh, in my family, but... I, I can definitely relate to a lot of things that you guys are saying. I like I told you I graduated and I was a waitress. You think my dad was proud? Do you think he was chismeando about his daughter? He was like, <laughs> I see me, she's so great. She's a waitress. Like, no, he was not bragging yeah. about me, girl. And I think he had a hard time with it. But what I want to say is that I just love that you guys both sort of understood how incredible it was what you were doing and that it was okay because growth and leadership and skills and professionally leveling up doesn't have to be about money it doesn't have to be about how much salary I'm making what my title is and I think all of us now who have been in our career for 10 years I'm just thinking about when we graduated um can all say even now it doesn't matter I know that sounds silly to an extent it doesn't matter but it's it's always going mm-hmm. to be about everything else. And I can say this personally, yeah. Stephanie, that money has never, ever satisfied me. I have been miserable at jobs that I was making a lot of money at. Right. Um, and right. I just think, I just right. want young Latinos to know that, like, if you are looking for a gap year, if you are looking to do volunteer work, like a city year, if you are looking to do something else that you feel is going to make true impact, know that you will develop such incredible skills like Elvia did 
you know, that will last mm-hmm. a lifetime mm-hmm. and you're going to be so grateful you did. And if there was a time to do yeah. it, it is when you're younger. Generally speaking, I'm saying that because when you get older, like all of us, we tend to have more responsibility. So it just gets harder to do these yeah. types of things with less money. Not yep. impossible, just harder. But I really recommend that young people look at that because it's hard to see it at at the onset of graduating but it's possible and just know that Mm -hmm. like do what you love what what, exactly what Steph is saying like follow your gut do things with intention when you're younger and it will really start to mold a lot of what you see yourself going in the Mm -hmm. future so that you land yourself the Mm -hmm. career of your dreams or the job of your dreams and you will feel so much better and you will be so much more skilled in lots of aspects. Like Elvia said, she has all these leadership skills that didn't necessarily come from her yep. roles, but came, I mean, like her current job roles is what I'm saying, but came from this experience, yeah. this beautiful, wonder, amazing experience. Yeah. And, and not only the experience, but like, if you're going to be doing community work, like you got to be on the front line. Like you have mm-hmm. to... You have to you're going to learn so yeah. much because when you're a volunteer, yeah, like you just say, yeah, you're a core member, but as a core member, you do literally one million thousand things. Like I was developing curriculum. I was getting donations mm. from local businesses. I was uh, canvassing uh, different houses to tell them about the free computers they could be getting. I was like doing all sorts mm. of things. It mm. wasn't just like a one-dimensional role. You talked about is wh- what it is about is you start to find your niche, right? Like what you're mm-hmm. good at, and every job kind of hones in even closer, closer, closer to that. And I think, like for you, just thinking about your city year experience and knowing city year. So, um, city year was part of my coalition of my nonprofit. So I worked with y'all a lot, and I did trainings mm-hmm. for your core members, mm-hmm. and like. Part of what I realized is like a lot of the core members who wanted to be teachers ended up realizing like either A, you definitely did not want to be a teacher, right? <laughs> Hell yeah. That yeah, was like you notice. But even doing something and realizing it's not for you is mm-hmm. a huge lesson, right? It's, a, it's yeah. good, right? Yep, yep. So sometimes just doing things and volunteering and that tells you, oh, well, that's not it for me. And that is just as importantly equal as finding out that if that is for you, right? Like exactly. knowing what's not. So elimination, it helps too. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, that was something I talked about with my students that were wanting to be pre-med and they were like, well, I have to do research, but I don't like doing research. <laughs> and I'm like, then don't do research. Yeah. You don't have to. <laughs> like you don't have to like you could go tutor some kids and science and math or there's so many other experiences that you could have that are going to be beneficial to your med school application other than doing research with some old professors that you know are going to have you pipetting all day long I want to I want to add something here that something that I often say to the students that I talk to is that really understanding your strengths and Stephanie, I, I echo that. And LV, I echo what you said too. Like, I finally understood where my strengths lie in terms of myself professionally. And, and honing in, like you just mm-hmm. said, Steph, on those strengths is, I think, what really catapulted and propelled my career trajectory. Mm-hmm. I understood mm-hmm. where I was really good and where my strengths lie and what I like to do. And in my, 
you guys, mm. you work, you two specifically work, I mean, with nonprofits and in the higher education. In the marketing world, there's usually two people, mostly. There's the salespeople who are bringing in the deals, and then there's the post-sales pe- people who are nurturing the relationships and making sure they execute. I learned later on, I wish I would have learned this on, that I am a nurturer by nature. Mm. I don't like to be a hunter. I hate the aspect of mm. hunting. I am not a hunter. I don't want to be out there. I'm not a car salesman, and I'm not mm. asking car salesman. My, my brother, my brother-in-law, yeah. he's going to say shit. But, um, but those are specific skills, and they're great at it. I just know for me, I love the building of the relationship, the building of the rapport. And I have to say that oftentimes in my interview, when that question gets asked, right, we all get that question, girl. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? I always say that. I really learned that. I learned that my strength lies not in being a hunter, but in being a nurturer, which is why I've been so good at my last couple of jobs, really understanding that specific environment. And I think it really changes your career trajectory once you understand the strengths. The thing I would advise young people, yep. though, is that it's hard to say that early on. I'm pretty sure all of us can say we didn't know our strengths because it's trial and error, right? You you have some job, you start off kind of at the entry level or you're volunteering or whatever you're doing. And you're sort of like learning good and bad. You're learning strengths. You're learning weakness. I mean, you don't really even you can't even identify those when you're so young um, just because you just don't know. It's obviously when you get older that you're like, okay, I really like this aspect or I'm really good at these things to be able to then identify what is considered strength and never weaknesses. I know that's the question, but it's always like areas of improvement, right? Or areas of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, Mm -hmm. I created the Misinformed Latina because I feel like I navigated my life so blindly as an adult when I graduated making poor mistakes when it came to finances, career, and health. And there's so many things I wish I would have known. Back to the whole, what would I tell my 20-year-old self knowing what I know now? So I want to ask you, knowing what you know now about life in general, inclusive of career, inclusive of all the side hustles that you've had, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, put your mask on first. You're, you're, you know, when you're on an airplane and the, the mask, the, mm-hmm. what do they call the oxygen mask that they yeah. have? Yeah. I feel like I would tell myself that I need to be well before, um, I pour myself and, and help and try to, to change the world as I, as I think, right? It's such a, you could, you, that the work of being in community work is ever ending. I could have work forever in community work. Mm-hmm. And I think I've gotten really, um, you know, I take it home a lot. You know, I, it doesn't stop. The nine to five doesn't stop for me. Like consistently, like the work that I do around social justice, racial equity is, is constant in my life. It's everything that I think of. And I think it's really important for me and my healing journey. You know, I didn't talk too much about my childhood, but I think it's important, you know, um, and somebody who's really working through, you know, trauma and healing that I can't do none of this work if I'm not good, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I would say that I would say like prioritize my health. I feel like in the last couple of years, my own health has like, you know, I haven't really prioritized it as much. Um, and I, I talk about physical health too. I feel like I work out and I try to eat healthy, but like, I'm not, 
you know, uh, holding space for my mental health or not going consistently to therapy or I'm not, you know, there's so many things around it. I'm working really late. I'm working 80 hour weeks consistently back to back to back to back. And it's like, what about me? Right. And what about me? And then also holding space for people that I love that I don't get to share that space with anymore. So I feel like for me, it's really been like, yeah, I do all these things. I got all these side hustles, but I also don't really have it together when it comes to like having balance and making time for myself and my own mental health. And so I would tell I'm still working through it. Like I'm this is still a learning journey. I haven't reached, you know, a place where I feel like I've got it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's something that I feel I'm in a better place. And I like say no more often. And um, I don't just say, yeah, I'm not just a yes woman anymore as much as I used to be in my early 20s, I feel um, so I would tell myself to really like, you know, take care of myself and like make sure that I'm well and check in with myself before I start to to do all the other things that I'm hoping to do. So so, yeah, I think that in mental health is really probably one of my one of the things that I feel is an area where I I need to be more consistent in in putting in the work to heal. I want to add one thing. amazing I think. mental health. And I'm sure Elvia, you mm-hmm. would say this, too. It is not selfish. Putting yourself first, taking care of yourself, ensuring that what you were like, your cup is full, um, ensuring you're taken care of, just always know it is not selfish. It is actually the most selfless thing you can do. And, and I think Elvis Mm -hmm. probably would, we talked about this with, in another episode with, with uh, Sonia, just like, do what you got to do for yourself. Yeah. Definitely. I do think it's so important. And I think, um, I think because I going back to city year, uh, because I did that at such like an early age, like the work life balance to me was like ingrained (laughs) to us like all the time. And it just after that year, I was I really try to focus on like bringing in that work-life balance into my, all my roles that I did, no matter what I was doing. I always try to set that time for myself, which is not always easy, but it is very necessary. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So um, to wrap up our last question for you is um, what is the best advice you have ever received from anyone, you know, be it your mm-hmm. tia, abuelita, <laughs> your mom, a coach, a mentor, or your fam tour? Like the abuelo, chorizo, whoever, that... girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, girl. <laughs> you know, I got so much. You know, I feel like this is probably a <clears throat> a pretty common thing that I think resonates with me quite a bit now. My mom used to always be like, or I'm sure y'all have heard this, but dime con quien andas, yes. digo quien eres. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, translation. Tell me uh, who you're with and I'll tell you who you are. And I feel like, you know, in terms of why I think that's such good advice, because I think in all aspects, uh, not when I was younger, but I think now, and <laughs> I'd say, but I think in all aspects of my life, I'm consistently thinking about, the people around me and how, you know, making sure that I'm aligned with the people around me as well. And that I'm feeling empowered, that I feel motivated, um, that, 
I feel like everybody in my life serves a purpose, whether you're that homegirl that I go to for chisme, or maybe you're that homegirl that I go to when I need to talk about work and I need some advice, right? Or vice versa, that I'm that person for you. I think it's important to surround yourself with people who match your energy, who really match your, your ambition, that match your vision for what you have in the world. And I feel like, like having that for me has been like having, you know, my, my circle of friends, my, 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 uh, girlfriends that I'm still really good friends with since UCLA or my childhood best friend, Diana. Who grew shout up out to Diana, world, best you know, friend. Woo woo. Right? <laughs> hey, shout out to Diana. <laughs> <laughs> she lives there I sat, I'm a little bummed out because she's like now you know she lives with her family she lives on a farm she's like all an organ in the middle right, of like no, nowhere right, <laughs> with her baby yeah she's doing it she's like from Inglewood to like middle of Oregon Woods so she's doing it um and you know but I really think it's about like in all aspects of my life like I'm always you know want to surround myself with really positive uh, people and I think that that is important and I'm also a fan of you know I'm one of those people of like I have no problems cutting ties with family who are toxic I've done it with my own dad uh, and I will do it with anybody else and so I that includes family you know like that to me includes everybody in my life like as an adult the beautiful thing about it is that you get to choose who's in your life you get to mm-hmm. choose and I always I am really good now uh, trusting my gut and really making sure that that whoever I'm surrounding myself with are really people that I feel energy that is going to be uplifting, positive. I'm not saying that, you know, things don't happen in lives and everybody, you know, tragedy doesn't happen and things, but like generally speaking, having people around that really match my energy is important. So I'm also an Aquarius girl, a rising Aquarius born on Friday the 13th on a full moon. So I'm a little witchy. I just want to add to this that, like, I 100% feel that way. I mean, bestie, bestie, bon, bon is literally about the beautiful friendships that we have, <laughs> the beautiful friendship that we, LV and I have. And I might get a little emotional here, but Woo! I'm going I'm to say this. But my dad told me, I don't know why this makes me so emotional. He said, yo creo que fuiste tan exitosa porque escogiste muy buenas amigas. And mm-hmm. you don't know this, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Girl, girl, girl. Ooh, stop. You got me all I really believe that. I think it's because my little brother made such poor friend choices and ended up really fucking up his life. I don't know a better way to say that. But I di- I really believe. Yeah. Shit, I'm sorry. That made me really emotional. I shouldn't be sorry about that. Whatever. In a good way. In a vulnerable, honest way. Mm-hmm. That cry, girl. Cry. Like, and when I mean my friends, my dad said, exactly for the same reason you said that your mom was like girl this is important yeah. I, my dad's like I really believe that mm-hmm. you succeeded so well in high school and, and on because of your friends and I really only have two really close friends and I mean I know a lot of people mm-hmm. but, and these two friends my dad knows personally I mean this is Elvia and one other person and to my dad these are his daughters mm-hmm. to my dad these are people and I know the same the same is for Elvia's family I am the other mm-hmm. daughter, right? And I just feel, I feel you, girl. Like, I totally believe, like, it's about your circle. It's about mm-hmm. your friends. Like, and it's like who you yep. hang out with and who's around you, I think really elevates you. And I'm grateful. My friends have been my friends forever. And no matter the distance, Elvie and I, I mean, 
our story is like, I live here. I went to New York when I graduated. I came back. She went to Boston, and then she came back, and then she went to San, Fr- and San Francisco, and then and I went to New York. And I, I mean, girl, we've lived distances. We've lived, <laughs> and no matter what, we've remained best of friends. And I think no we, we really know how to elevate each other, respect each other, love each other. All things we've talked about in our right. podcast, which is all about besties, right? It's like it's about um, uh, um, amigahood, and. And really cultivating mm-hmm. that, and I do really believe in that. Sorry, that was—I don't know why I got so emotional about that. <laughs> no, that was good, but it really is like this is about community, like sisterhood. I don't—I don't have any sisters, so for me, it's like you know, it's important. Like the, my sisters yeah. are like family to me, you know. So, right. so yeah, and I think that's what it is, especially for kids who are like first gen. Or not even like even when you go to a higher ed institution that's always going to be predominantly white unless you go maybe to a Hispanic serving institution even though I don't like that word Hispanic anyway sidebar yeah um, <laughs> um, you yeah right uh, but you know but I think it's really about that like that's how we serve that's how we move oh, from yes. survival to thriving right like yeah. that's it yeah so anyhow girl. <laughs> That Woo! was too much. Y'all all right, awesome. so just I to wrap this up, thank you for <laughs> Steph. This was amazing. Literally, I know Olivia and I can ask you a thousand more questions. We can have another whole hour conversation. Um, but honestly, girl, <laughs> this has been one of the most incredible episodes we've ever had. Like so much vulnerability, so much openness, so much truthfulness, so much realness, so much relatability. Gracias from the bottom of our hearts for being here. Where can people find you um, that want to connect with you, that have any questions, that want to follow up? Yeah. Yeah, they can follow me. I have two Instagram accounts. One's a purpose hustle underscore, which is where I post a bunch of tips to live in your purpose. I also post jobs uh, from the opportunities of the global. So I have a group on Facebook uh, that has 3,000 plus or so people of color in social impact. And it's a job board and resource board. We post jobs all day, like dozens of jobs every week. Um, And the purpose of that job board is that the recruiters who are posting are actually giving you that access to talk to them, to raise your application. Like we make the connections. It's really about access um, and, and really making sure that we're creating more access for people of color. So if you're looking for a job, you can go to bit.ly backslash the global majority all undercase and you can find it also you can just search opportunities the number for the global majority on facebook it'll pop up i'll add you into the group um then uh my personal ig handle is uh stephanie castellanos underscore and then twitter is also purpose hustle i know i kind of jumped around but purpose hustle stephanie castellanos on uh instagram and then uh on facebook you should add the group and you'll see me posting you can add me on facebook if you want to perfect we'll include all of that information in the description of this podcast so you can follow stephanie you can follow purpose hustle girl this was so good elvia thank you thank you for having me so much for having this great conversation with us I, I like I'm excited to hopefully meet you. In yeah, I want to meet you too. I know. I was like, girl, after this, I out after shout this, out to Melly again for connecting over. us. Shout out to. hmm Oh, and you and I, and what we didn't announce also is that Diana, you and I are now. You're now a new member yes. of Latinas League California, the Woo-hoo. Young Professionals I Network. Right. Have totally uh, shouted that out. Yes. She shouted that out, but it is a political action committee that works to elect 
Latinas into office. So really making sure that we're seeing more of us in positions um, that really transform our community. So shout out to Diana for coming on board uh, to the Young Professionals Network. We're really excited to have you. And I know that we need your like expertise. I'm so and energy excited. Team, it's so. honestly thanks hey. for Stephanie that I joined. Yep. All right. Yep. Well, thank you so much, girl. Um, don't forget thank to subscribe. You. Don't forget to leave a review and to rate us. And until next time, bye. Bye. Mi corazón quiere cantar así